Hello and welcome to TF Extra, the little in-betweeny podcasts, whilst the real Talking Flutes is being produced by the lovely lady and wonderful flute player that is Claire Southworth. Now I've had a brief look at her schedule and she's in dialogue in the next series with extraordinary talent that is Dave Heath, a super flute player and ex-student of hers Yao Yao and also taking a look at body awareness, mental attitude as well as dedicating a podcast to answering questions which have been sent in already. And on that I'm going to go straight in if I can find my notes here to an email that we've received from Sarah Kennedy who lives in Connecticut, USA. And Sarah writes, Hello, TF Extra. I know who Claire Southworth is, but who are you, the guy, as I like the accent? (laughs) Do you know you make a very fair point? I suppose I should come clean. My name is Jean-Paul Wright. That's Jean-Paul, French way, with a hyphen in the middle, and right at the end. I spend my day drinking coffee, and making rather bad noises on the sideways blowing tube and hoping, and I do hope, that the noises I make are sometimes audibly acceptable to whoever is unlucky enough to be in the firing line. So that's what I do during the day. Um, Something personal? Well, um, let me guess. Uh, Okay, I've only ever worn red socks since I was 18 years old. Yep, no other colour is present in my sock drawer. I'm not really sure if the word sock is exactly the same in America. Let's face it, the English terminology between the two countries, whilst we speak the same language, is often very different. I mean, let's think of a couple of words. Aubergine, which we call aubergine, In America, they call eggplant. A CV or curriculum vitae in America is called resume. We say biscuits. Americans say cookies. We say bun. They say muffin. At least I think they do. We say a roll or a bap. And our American friends say bun. We say a bottom, a posterior or a backside. And our friends in America say glutes, a butt. Backside or derriere, I suppose. We say headmistress, headmaster of a school. And the people I know in America say principal. We say shoelace. And I would imagine a lot of my friends say shoelace. However, one I know especially says shoestring. We say film. Our American friends say movie. However, one thing we do agree on is a flute. It's a flute. Although I'm pretty sure someone is going to email in and tell me that in a certain part of the US or Australia or South America, or in fact anywhere in this world, on the moon, in the Milky Way, on other planets, the flute is called something else. Well, actually, I call it sideways blowing tube, so who am I to talk? Anyway, this podcast isn't about me, I'm just answering a question from Sarah. So to conclude, in my spare time... I am the Managing Director of Trevor James Flutes, based here in our HQ in Lenham, just outside of London, UK. And we have another email from a David Lloyd in Aldershot, UK. Now David says, thank you for the interview with Rod C last week. I've just purchased the Mastering the Flute with William Bennett book from a London flute shop and absolutely love it. Reading on, he goes on to ask, will I be speaking with Rod again in the future? 
as it would be great to have a dedicated podcast on one of the chapters in the book. Well, David, that is a really good question and one that I'll have to throw over to Rod. But yes, of course, I'd love to. Now, before I forget, Claire has reminded me of the importance in mentioning that you can send in your questions on anything flute or music related to her. Well, you have my permission, and this is just between me and you, to deviate off into asking questions to her about food, coffee, golf, dogs, and in fact, any topic off-piste if you wish. Flutepodcasts at gmail.com Flutepodcasts, that's plural podcasts, at gmail.com Now, how very remiss of me. Last week on the first TF Extra, I forgot to answer a question from Adam Trainer. Now, Adam Trainer had sent this in from Newcastle in the UK. And Adam asked, how can you tell if a flute head joint is made of a precious metal? Well, Adam, first thing you would normally do is to turn the head joint over. And where you should be able to find 925 or 958 or a hallmark or other engraving on the back, which should signify what the flute tubing is made of, or the head joint tubing rather. However, if you cannot find an engraving, then what we would do here to signify that more exploration is needed is what we call a ping test. If you take a normal silver-plated head joint, hold it by your thumb and first finger by the crown or stopper, and if you take your nail and just flick it at the bottom of the tube, you hear a ping. That signifies to us that we are looking at a a non-precious metal tube head joint. Now if you take, in this case it's a 925 silver TJ head, if we take through the same process, hold it between the thumb and the first finger, let it hang down before, in, in front of you and then ping it with your uh, fingernail, you get a dull thud. Now that signifies to us that there is some precious metal in that head joint. So we just do a ping test to see whether the flute head joint is the standard silver plated or if it has some precious metal in it. I hope that's been of use, Adam, and answered your question. And now it is time for Joke of the Week. Hello, Graham. How the dickens are you, good sir? I'm very well. London is lovely and sunshiny today. That is fantastic. Now, do you have a joke for me? Yes, I've got a nice one here. What's the difference between a bassoon and an oboe? Well, apart from size, I don't know. Um, Graham, I don't know. What is the difference between a bassoon and an oboe? You can hit a baseball further with a bassoon. (laughs) Ouch. One thing you can be certain with Graham in London is that he can remember jokes. Sadly, I'm one of these people that will laugh and vow to remember that good one, but never do. Moving on, a couple of years ago, I did a talk at the NFA in San Diego on the subject of marginal gains. 
and how the British cycling team had employed the process of marginal gains to improve their overall medal tally and performance levels and how it would equate to musicians and at this point in time it was flute players. And I'm currently writing a podcast, or the content for a podcast, to look at an area that I'm really fascinated in, which is confidence and nervous, well, performance anxiety, really. Now, have you ever thought of the word confidence? It's banded around a lot, but it's defined in the Oxford English Dictionary as the state of feeling certain about the truth of something, or a feeling of self-assurance arising from an appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities. Now, to me, that's verging on the side of arrogance. And I really don't know many musicians that have a feeling of assurance and appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities. But if that's what the Oxford English Dictionary says, then who am I to argue? So let's face it, being confident with your pending music examination or performance can often be pretty hard for us fluty-tooty players. I mean, there are just as many introverts in this world than extroverts. Extroverts can sometimes mask their feelings of unease and nervousness, and I'll leave anxiety out of this at the moment and probably return back to this at a later date. However, the bottom line, I feel, is that when the underlying branch of your body starts to feel nervous, any patchwork of confidence words and pictures you may have prepared can quickly dissolve. To give you an example, how often have you really prepared and been really confident in a piece of music? You started performing it, and as you play, your mind starts to take you off to the hard bars coming up. In other words, your focus has gone towards the hard bars. You become aware of these hard bars coming up. You can feel the nerves begin to rear their head, and you may start to feel the finger or leg wobbles. You may over or under salivate, and you may feel the heart beating faster and harder. You get to those hard bars, you play them, and then you go wrong in the simple bits later on. Yes, we've all done it. But you see, the problem here is not nerves. It's the focus, because you are focusing on the hard bits coming up and not the whole piece. Knowing the piece well through study and practice is the only way to have the baseline for a good performance. But I also know that even though you can prepare better than you have ever before, and having a modicum of confidence in your ability to perform that particular piece, that nerves can also always seem to be there. I might also add here that I believe that some nerves are not always bad for you as a musician, as they give you a heightened state of consciousness at that moment. And we need it. We can't really be in our comfort zone when we're playing, because we need to give that excitement to the audience. So a little tip I will give you here, is, as I said, I'm working on a dedicated podcast on the subject in the future, is when you start to feel the nerves approaching, don't fight or push them away. Now that sounds strange, I know. However, you don't want to cause a pressure cooker effect. We start playing and the nerves really do take over and you come off stage feeling that you haven't done yourself justice. So don't push it away or bottle it up. Accept the fact that you're nervous. So firstly, and most important, is to be in the moment. That is really to be fully aware of your surroundings and utilise all of your senses at that moment. To be present. If a thought enters your head, just take note and push it away. Imagine that each thought is arriving in a bubble and whilst you notice the bubble, it's not important at this time. So simply push it away. Try and become mindful of when nerves come along. Notice if they arrive as a thought, a feeling, perhaps in the stomach, 
the hands or feet. And now this sounds pretty weird, but say hi. I wondered when you were going to arrive. So in other words, you're acknowledging these feelings as they arrive, and therefore don't fight them. It's almost as though acknowledgement reduces their power and hold of your feelings. So if you're playing this week and doing a performance on examination and start to get these feelings, then just give this small tip a try. I think you may be surprised at the outcome, and do let me know. And whilst we're on the subject of confidence, I'd also like to quickly draw your attention to an enlightening TED Talk by Harvard professor and social psychologist Amy Cuddy called Your Body Language Really Does Shape Who You Are. Now that's quite a powerful statement, isn't it? Your body language really does shape who you are. She explains the very simple process of spending two minutes on your body positioning to improve your confidence and performance. See, although it's true that confidence comes from self-acceptance, it has been scientifically proved time and time again that one of the most important factors in determining how we perceive ourselves is in our posture. Amy Cuddy's TED Talk on the significance of body language on confidence shows that assuming a power pose, yeah, power, P-O-W-E-R, power pose, actually changes the hormones in our brains after just two minutes to leave us feeling stronger, less stressed and far more confident. On a psychological level, taking a wider stance is also a healthy way to encourage yourself to be comfortable taking up more space. I mean, if you look at some of the world's best orchestral and solo flutey-tooty players, they're very happy with the space they take up on stage. Indeed, if we, if we mirror what Amy Cuddy says in her TED Talk, the very act of being unapologetic when spreading out subliminally hints to our brains that we deserve the space we are taking up. We deserve to be heard by the audience. It tells us to feel confident and sure, even if deep down we don't yet believe it in ourselves. So, am I saying fake it until you make it? Very much no. As Amy Cuddy says in her talk, fake it until you become it. And then when you become it, do you truly start to believe it? And when you believe it, that transposes into confidence. So the TED Talk by Harvard professor Amy Cuddy, entitled Your Body Language Really Does Shape Who You Are. And that's a strong recommendation from my good self to you. Now, as I said, we're going to be addressing nerves and anxiety in later podcasts. However, there's so many books written on this, and I'm sure you've all gone out sometime and read a, a paper or bought a book on confidence. The one I remember specifically as being one that I absolutely adore and one that I still reference when I speak to groups of people at universities and in music conventions is one by Alma Thomas entitled Power Performance for Singers. And within this book are some great stories, tips and exercises on addressing performance and anxiety and nerves that can rear their ugly heads at the worst times. Why on earth, you may think, am I referencing a book for singers? Well, very simply, if we to change the title to Power Performance for Flute Players, and then on opening the book, on every page inside, where it's mentioned singer... You can literally put yourself, the individual, in that position, or you can just change the text to say flute player. Because I believe exactly the same things apply to us. 
Indeed, at the time I first read the book, I was having a few issues myself. And still to this day, and this is many, many years later, I still use the black box exercise. So that's Power Performance for Singers by Alma Thomas. And you can have that one as well for free. So being kind to your ears, and let's face it, you've had to put up with my monotone voice for the last few minutes. We draw to the end of this podcast just with an update that the Talking Flute series with Claire Southworth will return to this podcast station at the beginning of May. So unlucky you, you've got to put up with me and TF Extra until then. And in the coming weeks, I'm going to be having interviews with Ivan Lerhin, the Russian flute player, conductor and composer who now lives in Washington, D.C. Jose Valentino, the multi-award winning multi-instrumentalist, who is now a professor at Lee University in Tennessee. L.A.-based flute player Gina Luciani. And I'll also be speaking to my old friend Bill Dowdle, the professor of flute at the Royal Academy of Music in Dublin, about the fantastic big flute festival that's happening there later in August. And a final reminder that you can send any questions or subject matter that you'd like us to discuss on our TF Extra or Talking Flutes podcasts to flutepodcasts at gmail.com. So in conclusion, I'd just like to close by wishing you a great week ahead in whatever it is you've got planned. And I look forward to speaking to you next week in the latest TF Extra podcast. So thank you for joining me. Goodbye. TF Extra and Talking Flutes podcast series are produced by Trevor James Flutes. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.